All right, so today on the podcast, we have Coach Donnie Mays from South Charleston High School in South Charleston, West Virginia. And we talk a lot about COVID and how the state of West Virginia has responded uh, to COVID and some solutions potentially to get our kids back to plan. And after a short segment from our sponsor, you, you will hear from Coach Mays. Coach Donnie Mays, welcome to the podcast this morning. Zach, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. So we're in the middle of COVID 2020. Uh, Coach, talk a little bit about – I've talked about my podcast, my thoughts on it. What What do you think is going on, and, and uh, how can we just move forward the best we can? Well, it starts with the leadership that we have at the top. They uh, – you know, you're, you're elected into these positions to uh, – make tough decisions and uh you know we're in a we're in a decision right now where this is uh should be an all or nothing type deal um you you don't just uh open to the few and then leave some people out and uh that that causes turmoil within and uh and it makes you question things constantly and it makes you make changes constantly so that's kind of what the situation is in my opinion um you know if if whenever this thing kicked off and he shut down everything, um, no one questioned it because it was all, everybody was in the same boat. Um, you know, businesses were shut down, schools were shut down. Um, the only people who were, you know, existing under their normal circumstances were essential people. And, uh, they did not consider schools and, uh, you know, bars and restaurants and things like that, essential at that time. So no one questioned it. But when you go to the reopening phase and you start opening, you know, the bars and the restaurants and the dealerships and, you know, the churches and all this stuff, but you leave schools shut down and then you finally open them, but you only open up some, there's going to be issues. And I think that's what the, I think that's the majority uh, feeling is that, it's just some people that are getting left out. And, you know, it's ironic that we live in the largest county uh, population wise, and we have the most issues. It just makes too much sense to me. Yeah. Coach, you have, you have two daughters. How, how are they handling this with you and your wife being at work and going to school? And that's, that's something I'm seeing pretty, pretty it's a pretty common issue with, you know, trying to educate your children, but the parents have to work. And that's the most difficult part is um, just waking up in the morning and you know I'm getting the kids out of bed and telling them, you know, you have to log on to your classes. I made a joke yesterday. I said, you guys want me to drop you off at school today and uh, you can hop in my truck. I'll drive up the road. We'll come back and I'll drop you off at the house. And they, they just, they didn't think that was very funny. So, um, you know, I'm just trying to, trying to make light of the situation that, that we're in with the kids, but they're, they're struggling right now. Um, I think they want to be back in school um, and they want to be doing normal things that kids would be doing. And, uh, you know, as a parent, um, I I think that we should be able to make those decisions. If I felt like it was unsafe for my child, I would not send them. But uh, both of my daughters feel like they need to be back in there. My wife and I are both in the education profession. So we both feel like they should be in there too. And as educators, we feel like teachers should be back in there as well. Um, It's, I think it's important that we don't miss this opportunity with kids. You know, it's, it's a struggle when you wake up and 
you're watching your daughter log into her class and she's upset because she can't be there in person. And uh, that's very upsetting to see and uh, witness. And then, you know, whenever I express those concerns to people at the, you know, such as the governor and people like that who I've reached out to, it's, you know, we, we have to get beyond these collar code system because there's no evidence whatsoever that these kids are the uh, reason that we're in the situation we're in. And, you know, one life is too many uh, lost. Um, but the good thing is, is that we're not losing the number that we thought we would lose. And so I think that, you know, when this, first, when this thing first kicked off, Zach, it's like, it was very scary for everybody. No one knew. And uh, right. yeah. we know so much more now. And uh, I think that we need to move forward with our thinking and, uh, and the process of getting these kids back into school so they can become, um, you know, so they can get back to some type of normal. So this is not fair to them. So. Yeah, I had the, the color map pulled up and, you know, you're looking around us and, you know, us in Putnam can't go to school and who else like Fayette and Boone, but there's a lot of counties in West Virginia, their kids are in school. They have the option to go to school and that's just not, that's just not fair in my opinion. And you, you definitely touched on that and hit that. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, the fair part, you know, it's, it's, like I said, it's all or nothing at this point. Like you, you got it. You have as a, I mean, you have to make tough decisions. You were elected into that position to make tough decisions and I get it. And I was the first one to tell them like, you know, during this pandemic, you don't really, I don't envy his position. You know, that's, that's a difficult position to be in. And, but at the same time, like, you know, the state of Virginia chose not to play. And that probably mm, right. upset a few people, but at the same time, there was a decision made that everyone was in the same boat. And, you know, the state of uh, Texas and Florida and Georgia and places like that, they said, we're going to play. And that was for everybody. And, you know, you look at connecting states such as Kentucky and Ohio, they have plans where everybody's involved. We are one of the few that we are handpicking who can play and who can't. And each week we, and Jack Withrow said it best, he said each week we wake up and we look into a crystal ball just to see what our future holds. And mm -hmm. it's so stressful because all we've done is practice since June, you know, and, I, and I'm speaking from us, the Canal County coaches, we've practiced mm -hmm. since June. Like, no, did anybody ask you if you were okay with going back in June? Because they didn't no. ask me. They told us <laughs> yeah. this is what you can do. Well, right. you know, I'm in the, I got in this business to help kids. And um, if that means that I'm going to give up my summer, which I did June and July and August to go out there and help kids and try to get them better, I will. And, you know, whenever he said, when the governor said, don't go on vacations, we didn't. My wife was so mad at me. She's still mad that we didn't go somewhere. But at the same time, like we listened to everything that we had to do to get these kids back on the field. Because like I said, I got in this business to help kids. I was not asked if I felt okay to go back and return to the playing field during a pandemic. I was told this is what you can do. And mm -hmm. this is how you're going to do it. And you're going to do it by wearing a mask. You're going to do it by doing all these extra things, by cleaning things and um, spend an extra amount of time doing all this other stuff when no one really asked us how we felt. But I feel like, the decision was made to return, you know, and then all of mm -hmm. a sudden we're close to the season. And now we've got a, a color coded map that decides whether or not we can play now. 
So you, you, you know, our, our entire summer was spent with kids and now you're telling me because, you know, the community is having an outbreak at, you know, this hospital, this nursing home, this prison, whatever, um, but not at a school, not at a football, not at a football uh, program that you can't play. I just, I find it utterly ridiculous and uh, very difficult to take. Yeah, and you had a couple of kids offered from your scrimmage that you could have, right, Coach? I mean, it gave them opportunity uh, to get evaluated by some different college programs. I think that's important. I think that uh, I think that's what every kid wants right now is some film to throw out there so they can uh, secure their future. And uh, whether that be, you know, at the Division One A level, uh, like you're talking about, Vondrell got an offer from Cincinnati, or whether it be from D two, where you know, a lot of our kids in our area go. Um, it's an opportunity, and it's a little bit of money that they don't have to pay for, you know, so they don't, they, they don't have to cover those costs. So, um, but at the same time, like, this is beyond, to me, this is beyond athletics. It's um, it's academic-related, you know, like getting these kids back in school is so important because my wife and I talk about this all the time where she's an elementary principal. You know, K through three is when kids learn how to read, and when you start when you start taking a kid that already missed like half of his second grade or her second grade year and then you start off your year without you know in face-to-face instruction that's really one of the only ways that you can teach a kid how to read and um you know i know there's a lot of great parents out there helping their kids learn how to read and stuff like that that's awesome but we also have the counter counterpoint to that where we don't have the uh you know, the, the, the interaction between parent and kid for that. So we're going to lose a generation of kids just based off that. Yeah, I, I was looking at – you talk about Jack <laughs> Withrow. I was looking at his Twitter this morning talking about kids transferring to places where they can play. What, what are your thoughts on that? You think that's going to be something that, that happens going forward? And, um, you know, what's your, what's your two cents on, on that situation? Well, I mean, in, in our state, like one of the things that's uh, – a big deal is like you have to move like so like uh, the season's already started too so like if you've already played with someone it's you know it could deem you ineligible and it could cost the other team that you transfer to um but i think what jack's talking about is like you're seeing like kids leave the state um right yeah places which um you know that's kind of beyond our control again and um it's it's uh you know what? I, I don't blame the kids for wanting to play, and um, but I mean, if that if that means losing, you know, population to Kentucky or Ohio or you know these other states who are who are um, who are who have a plan, um, then that that falls back on the the decision makers. Right, right. And look at Kentucky. I mean, Belfry High School was playing a game, or they're playing games. And coach, you could hit a, you know, a driver from Mingo Central or from Williamson, excuse me, to Belfry, right? So I mean, they're they're playing football, they're ready to go. You know what? In your opinion, like what should we do here in West Virginia? Like how can we mirror somebody who's doing this right? Like who has done this the best in your opinion? Like other states as they're going forward? That, you know, that's a difficult answer. I think the best way to answer that is you have to put. Um, this back under local control like because no one knows your people better than your county officials and 
if we could give local control to Kanawha County School Board and Mingo could have their control, we know what's going on within our school system. And us being the largest school system, having eight high schools, um, it would be very easy for us uh, to report our situations to our school who would report it to our county officials, which would ultimately shut down and investigate our situation. I mean, you look at Cabell Midland, what they're going through right now where they had one case and they did a really nice job of reporting it and making sure that the, the safety comes first and they shut down for 14 days. I don't see how there's any better way out there to do it than that way. And, you know, it's, it's going to be unfortunate, but, you know, we're going to get to the playoffs right now with this uh, color-coded system and somebody's going to be in the orange or the red where they can't play a game, or the gray even now, and they can't even play a game uh, for a week. So what's the protocol then? Do we do we uh, forfeit that game? Does someone have to forfeit? Does it, uh, you know, you can't roll it over to the next week because you're limited on time. And you can't play in the middle of the week because this thing runs for an entire week ridiculously, runs for a, a tire, an entire week instead of, um, you know, looking at it from the day-to-day -day perspective. So, um, I just don't know that this is the correct way to do things. And, and you know what, I, that's, I'm not elected. I wasn't put in that position. So, you know, as a, as a person who pays for taxes and a person or pays their taxes and a person who is a voter and, and I, and I'm a contributor to society and, and, a, and a productive citizen, I believe I have a, the right to uh, voice my opinion and, uh, you know, whether my opinion's right or wrong, that's that's one thing. But at the same time, like I have the right to voice my opinion and I believe that this color coded system is incorrect. And I think that local control should be the way we should do this. Yeah, no doubt. Cause you're, 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 you're preaching to the choir there. It's, it's amazing how, you know, we're told we, we can or can't play based on cases that don't even happen in our, our high schools. Right. And uh, that's definitely disconcerting. So, Coach, how are you going forward with your team? I and mean, that's, that's the question I think all of us are asking here in Kanawha County as coaches. How, like, how are you trying to help your team move forward the best you can? You know, I guess like I text guys, call guys, you know, Zoom, some of them. Like, how do you, how do you keep your, your guys going forward even when we can't practice? We can't even see them right now. Well, right now my assistants are pretty much handling the talking to the kids and stuff like that. And I'm kind of uh, – I'm kind of trying to lead the forefront of this uh, this movement to get us playing again. And the kids know that. And I'll text – I mean, a lot of the kids text me, and I'll respond back to them with the things that I'm trying to do to help them uh, get on the field and then back into the classroom. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as, like, when we are allowed to practice, we record film and I send it to coaches. I mean, like, I don't know any other way to do this. Like, you know, I think Zaki got, like, the – play number six of the West Virginia Metro News plays of the week, and it was a practice play. And those are the things that right. I've, been doing. I've been sending those clips to uh, college coaches that are around the country and uh, the guys I know, and that's all I can do at this point because I want, to, I want my kids to know that at the end of the day, we're going to still do our job and make sure that their, um, their information is getting out there for their opportunity. Um, you know, if I wasn't doing that, then I would be falling short of what I was paid to do. Absolutely. That's awesome, Coach. That's, that's, that is fantastic. Coach, how, how do you see us, you know, let's say we go gold or, or whatever. I mean, how do we start back up and play after being, you know, basically on the sidelines for two weeks? Like, how does, 
how does this the short turnaround affect like how you practice, how much scheme you have in those types of things? I don't know. Never been there before, you know, so it's <laughs> kind of brand new to everybody. Um, uh, this is not a sport that you can stop and start. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's football is something about uh, there. A lot of people talk about it. It's during ball games. It's a, it's about rhythm and how your kids get to, to learn how to play with each other, doing certain things, uh, whether it be, um, you know, a special team that does a kickoff together or the timing of the snap to the holder, to the kicker, uh, whether it be like an offensive play and just your, your mesh or, or a double team on the offensive line. I mean, like there's so many variables. This is not, a sport that one person can take over like they do in, you know, basketball and baseball, which are great sports, but, you know, realistically, like LeBron James can score 50 points on any given night because he's LeBron James. As, mm -hmm. you know, Randy Moss is not going to catch a touchdown pass without a, a quarterback that can get him the ball and without a line that can block for him. So there's so many things that go into play here that, you know, our kids miss out on. And, you know, beyond that, like, I was talking about this part. This is the one that I, that I, that keeps coming up to me is like, <clears throat> um, you're not football ready until you play games and yeah. we can condition all we want and we can run all we want and we can lift all we want. But until you hit on a consistent basis, like week one to week two, your body is not prepared. So like, let's look at a schedule situation. Let's say that we were allowed to play next week and we had to open up with a spring valley and I'm speaking, we is in South Charleston. Um, right. But you know, they're going to have three or four games under their belt. Our kids are going to have zero. Now you're talking about health and uh, you know, conditions and, and concerns from that standpoint that is safety related. And uh, you know, the, the, none of that got taken into consideration. Once again, like if, if you're in charge of something, you, you, you got to get everybody on board that has a piece uh, in the pie. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they have a, mm -hmm. uh, they have their own little slice. And right now when you're talking about sports, you know, it, it makes sense. Like volleyball, they can go back and do their thing and soccer, they can go back and do their thing. Conditioning is going to pay off. But when you're talking about a contact sport and you're talking about the taking two weeks off, I just, it, that's incredibly difficult to return from that. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to, you know, we're not all on the same page, which is, which is incredible that we decided to do this by county when nobody that I know of has done this. Has any other state done this that I don't know about? I'm not sure. I know that there's been some uh, bragging going on about how other states are following the collar code map, but they are also not relating that to their public education. They are leaving that within the individual uh, control of their local uh, county system. So, yeah, I mean, it's okay. I think that what this system is designed for is like an alert system for everybody. Like, oh my gosh, you know, can all counties numbers are driven up? You need to be safe there. Well, if it's in the red, you should shut down your bars. You should shut down your churches. Church, and I listen, I'm all about going to church and I'm all about, you know, heading out to a restaurant and all that stuff. I mean, but at the same time, like we can do church online. We're in a situation mm -hmm. in today's world you know, where you can pick up a computer and you can be talking to a group of people within no time. So, you know, a church is between one person too. I could read, I'm, if I'm reading the Bible, I, that's, that's my church, you know, like I, that's, that's the way it's defined in, in, in the Bible. So 
why, why can't we take a church situation and like put them for safer uh, terms, put them online a little bit, you know, I mean, it's, it's all the same stuff. Um, I get it. It's about the social gathering. Well, guess what? That's what we're talking about when we're talking about the kids in the school. They need that. If anybody needs social um, experience in today's world, it's the kids that sit there with a phone in their hand all day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they need this stuff and um, we're losing. And that's why I continuously go back to losing a generation. But, you know, to relate it back to the churches, the um, it's not the big churches that are having the issues. It's the small churches with the um, lack of ventilation within their uh, buildings and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like one air conditioning unit and windows open and everybody's waving fans and stuff like that. That's where people are getting sick um, because it, you're right on top of each other. But so like a small church could go online and have safer situations. Yeah, no doubt. I've been going to mass at Sacred Heart downtown and you know, they make you sit a, a pew apart and you know like only like a family per pew and that works uh from what and everybody has to wear a mask too so that's been that's been good but like you were saying like small churches small environment small buildings that's like that stuff should be shut down i i totally agree with that yeah i mean i don't i don't understand why we we it's always uh the schools like i don't understand why it's the schools when you look at the number of the age, the average age number of the people who are passing away, it is the 70s and 80s and, and even the 90s. And every now and then you'll sprinkle in a 50 or a 40. And, and I mean, like, un, unfortunately, that's happening. And uh, that is unfortunately part of life, too. And uh, we all know that one day our, our number and our name is going to be called and we're done. And that's, that's a sad moment for everybody. Um, but and I also understand that our kids, you know, a lot of our kids in West Virginia are raised by grandparents. And uh, so, I mean, I understand where it's safe, but you know, what's ironic about that is the kids who are wanting to play sports and go to school, they had an option. And those same grandparents who are, we're trying to protect, they were the ones who decided whether or not their kids could play or they sent them back to school. So if you, you had the choice to do e-learning or you had the choice to do in-person. So I think that the safety measure was put in place right there. And right. you had the choice to play or not to play. And the safety measure was put into place right there. So if, if, a, if a grandparent felt like they were not safe, they had those options. And then you throw in a color code map, which, which has nothing to do with the school system. And you apply it to those same people now you're now you're creating an issue that didn't need to didn't need that happen you know yeah i mean we we created this color map to say you can't go to school or you can't play sports but we've had this spike without schools and sports but they still blame it on us (laughs) that's that's incredible to me that's the hard part to take and uh i've said it numerous times i've sent message after message to the governor just you know this is this should be an all or nothing deal at this point like either we're all going to play or we're all not. I think that would be easier to accept. Um, You know, right now, um, I understand that, you know, government kind of runs the school system. I get that. But once again, when this thing, when this thing hit and he shut down all businesses, no one complained. I mean, everybody was worried and concerned, but now we're in a situation where everything's reopened except for the schools. It's almost Mm -hmm. like, you know, 
everybody can do this except for these certain counties and um, it's uh, inequality and it's also it's it's unconstitutional to do stuff like that where kids are are missing out on an education first and foremost and you know this zach i've been preaching this about getting the kids back in school because i'm a football coach that's the platform i take is talking about uh sports right but mm -hmm. this is not about athletics as much as it is is getting these kids back into a school setting we i walked down the hallway and we have um these uh chains and arrows like where kids can walk mm -hmm. and they can't go and stuff like that like everybody's prepared we have yes. enough PPE here that uh you know you could start your own Rite Aid and uh <laughs> we, we we have everything that we need to get this thing rolling it's just someone giving you a chance you know it's it's like the the kid that sits on the bench and he never gets an opportunity to play and the moment that he does he comes in and he either strikes out or he hits a home run and you know, I think that we would hit a home run with this. I looked at the uh, Indiana schools. Indiana went back to school with no PPE. They went back with full-fledged, like, we're going to go back the way we we're supposed to go. And Indiana is – they had a few situations early, but they're thriving now. And mm -hmm. Indiana is a much larger state than we are population-wise, but we're so concerned about, you know, a bigger city in our count in our state, like – Come on. I mean, let's, let's look around us, look around you. I mean, there's, there's more than us and there's other people doing things right too. You know, we can brag about our cholera code system all we want, but there are other people out there who are doing things the right way. Yeah. I, I just don't understand why we can't, like you, like you said, like we can't just look at, I mean, look at Kentucky and Ohio and see what they're doing and just do what they do. <laughs> and why do we have to have this solution that obviously is not working? So I, that doesn't make any sense to me. No, it definitely doesn't. It's uh, it's like we've already said a hundred times. It's difficult to take. It's hard to it's hard to explain to your kids. You got to hang in there. You got to stay strong. You got to trust the process. Because like as a football coach, we got put into this business because a we love to help kids, mm -hmm. but b we like to kind of be in control of things and right. always tell our kids, you know, worry about the things you can control. Well, we're in a situation right now where we can't even say that. Like, we have no idea. And these are out of our control because we're worried uh, whether, uh, you know, there's a, a, a wedding that's going to happen and have an outbreak this weekend. Or if, uh, you know, there's going to be a big 21st mm -hmm. birthday party down at, uh, you know, at a local bar. Or <laughs> if a church is going to have a situation where they have a, you know, a, a hot day and everything's clustered in there and they get blown. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And I continuously, I just don't understand how we can hold the kids accountable for this. Like, for example, the nursing homes, like I, I understand why we have to count those people as one. I get it. But my question is this, once you're quarantined, why don't you count those people as zero? If you Absolutely. know who they are, and they're and they're and they're kind of locked away in their own setting. How come they're not a zero now? Why is the uh, why are the people that work there once they get counted as an individual? Once we know they're quarantined, why not count them as a zero? I mean, like because we know that they're they're taking the safety measures to make sure that they're not there's not more community spread. But we continuously keep that number alive, which ultimately affects us, and we know that this is affecting the nursing homes the most 
mm-hmm. yet who has the most nursing homes in the state of West Virginia? It's Kanawha County. It's not even yeah. close. Yeah. So that's how we're getting hammered with these, with these crazy numbers is, you know, we might have a one at that entire nursing home, but we might have 12 workers at one mm-hmm. and 12 at another when we have 10 total, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And you know, the median life expectancy at a nursing home is like five months. Once they enter that home, the median life expectancy is, is only five months and the average is 13 months. So, I mean, they didn't go in there cause they were healthy to begin with, you know, that's, that's something people don't really think about. Like they go there because they're about to die. And, you know, we get shocked when, you know, a 90 year old with comorbidities dies of COVID and, and why, and then, then we punish high school kids. Like you were saying, that doesn't make, there's no logical sequence there for holding high school kids out of school. It doesn't make any sense. No, no but I mean, you know, like we, we both agree that one loss is too many. Um, especially right. when we don't know this situation, like COVID, like we don't understand it as well as, as we would like to. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. just looking at, uh, you know, whether they're in a nursing home or a hospital or whatever, one life's way too many. And, um, but I, I mean, I, like, I want, I, I mean, I just don't think that we should stop the youth of America. I would guarantee you if you went into uh, a nursing home and you polled those people who were in there, should we stop these 16 to 18 year old kids from being normal? I would guarantee you that they would say absolutely not. And the reason they would say that is because they were 16 to 18 at one time too. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Coach, I appreciate your wisdom, man. You have, you've given a lot of great insights and I know you're a busy man, but I thank you for coming on the podcast and man, you just, uh, you gave a lot of good stuff to listeners for sure. Well, it's about logic coach. And I think we are all very logical people. And at the end of the day, if we're not helping kids, what are we doing if we're educators? So, um, you know, this is our platform and we're going to fight for our kids. And I'm sure we have a lot of naysayers out there, people that are anti like what we're trying to do for them. But at the same time, like um, they chose their profession, I chose mine. And mine was to help kids. And I'm gonna continue to help kids until I get out of this business. And whether that means staying in front of the governor and say, we need to let these kids back in school. Or if I go work for uh, Pepsi one day and deliver Pepsi, I'll stand up at the forefront and say, you know, Diet Pepsi's not a bad thing. You know, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to fight for what I believe in. And right now, I believe that our kids need to be in school. They need to be getting educated. And they need to have an equal system across the board, not a color-coded map. Absolutely, Coach. Coach, you're very, very wise, man. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate you.